Please take your Bibles and turn with me to Acts chapter 20, verse 17 to 30. I read, From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, You know how I lived the whole time as I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears, although I was severely tested by the plots of the Jews. 20. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared both Jews and Greeks, I've declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. 22. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. 25. Now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. And I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. This is the word of the Lord for us this morning. Thanks be to God. Senior pastor would introduce our preacher for us this morning. Then the choir will give us a song ministration. Then we'll hear the word of God. Thank you very much, my brother, Mr. Emmanuel Fusuofe. Today is Pastor's Appreciation Sunday and our president will be preaching in this service in Nadabraka. I say that to just give him a glimpse and also for my our members to explain the multi-staff dimensions of Calvary Baptist Church. I've seen the slides that are going around showing pastors of Calvary. And every time they do that, they realize that they have not captured all the pastors 
and has brought aches and pains. But for those who sit in the pews or those who sit behind, say, ah, what type of church is this? How many pastors do they have? And what do they all do? I can talk plenty, but the scripture, the present as that we read. See, in Ephesus, he sent for the elders of the church. So there are multiples, but I will not even go there. There are multiplicity of elders in this church of pastors. So for instance, as I'm here, there are two pastors down in the teens, Pastor Professor Soti and Pastor Cecil Dodu. Then I went to the Akan and every I've seen wisdom tete over there. Now, two of those people there are bivocationals. Sitting beside you is the, uh, you, you, you know her name, the Reverend Dr. Na Densua Botelli, Dora Botelli, Botte, Botte. I add names to her name and when they become squirrel, we'll sort it out. She's a retired minister here serving as a consultant for Christian education. I'm just saying that the multiplicity of ministers does not necessarily mean that they are all on the payroll of Calvary. But it is in recognition of Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, and he gave to the church so many apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So our task is to recognize those God has called so that they can equip the saints for the ministry. But this is where the punchline is. Because we are members of a denomination, there are denominational requirements. And sometimes those denominational requirements are not necessarily in conformity with the age and the time God calls his people into ministry. And so it becomes a subject of misunderstanding. There are many times I've been told, can't you see the young people are leaving to go to other churches where after six weeks they can be ordained if, if, if they are even sufficiently uh, motivated the ordination can give them license to do whatever they are supposed to do in fact I've seen some that are dedicated who are now even bishops in their own eyes so it becomes a push and pull but now the bottleneck is in two areas the denomination requires that our pastors must be licensed and recognized before they function in the Ghana Baptist Convention churches. And we are waiting for when this will be activated so that those I have who have patiently endured my uh, telling them, oh, wait, 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 Nyanachi, Ibahi, Ibahi, do not go on rebellion one of these days and say, let's go to some greener pastures. Because when they do, the center cannot hold. So this is the appeal and the political speech to, you see, I'm not a politician, so I can tell you it's a political speech to my president and also to my church members and the deacons who are smiling. So for us, when they say Pastor's Appreciation Sunday, everybody who is called a pastor, they will get something from it. In fact, to be honest with you, every staff member of Calvary Baptist Church benefits from the Pastor's Appreciation Sunday. So if somebody sits down somewhere and says, oh, when they are pastors appreciation Sunday, Pastor Fred becomes a very rich man. You, oh, I'm just telling you, it is not like that. In fact, I can confidently say 
that in some smaller churches, that's what, what they will get as a pastor, as the main pastor, is many, many, many times what any pastor in Calvary Baptist Church will get. Because whatever is given today, whether they say it's 200,000, by the way, when they call those targets, I wonder what the, the deacons do. Let me also give another political. They set targets, 200,000. So I tell them, when they don't meet it, why don't they take the rest from their pocket and add it to it? They should add it to it. So if you don't get 200,000, then they'll come back and say, we got 150,000. And then we share the 150 among 80 people. Okay, so that's, that's actually what happens. But we allow it to be done because it's a denominational requirement. And we also believe that these are hard times. And anybody who gives in recognition and appreciation that the denomination says you should do it, and God blesses those who give generously, who receive the reward. That's why we have not stopped it. We have not stopped it. Having said that, and I think my, that's enough time, uh, today it is my privilege to introduce to you the president of the Ghana Baptist Convention. He's a very well-seasoned teacher and preacher of the word of God. If I were to read the CV that I've seen, I will not finish. But I think the most important thing is that Reverend Enoch Nina Thompson comes to us today as a president. He's preaching today in that capacity and preaching for the Pastor's Appreciation Sunday. Hallelujah. Let's celebrate God. Let's celebrate God. This God is too good. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Brothers and sisters, it's my great privilege to be worshiping with us today. I always love to say I'm a Calvarian. I have been a Calvarian since the early 80s as a, a little secondary school boy seeking spirituality that is sound biblical Christianity. Uh, I was invited by a, a schoolmate to worship with him at his church, Calvary Baptist Adabraka. And when I got there, I said, this is what my soul has been craving for. The teaching was biblical, the music was heavenly, the company was so cordial. And from that time to now, I have become a Baptist in totality. Whenever I come back to Calvary Baptist Church, I remember very well the series of sermons that uh, was being preached that time by Reverend uh, Stevenson Alfred Williams. And uh, it was a series, Know God, Know the Devil, and Know Yourself. And, and th those sermons kept me going every day to listen. And I fell in love with what was available at that time. Brothers and sisters, I bring you greetings from all the brothers and sisters within the Ghana Baptist family from across the nation and from across the seas. Uh, today is a special day. It is a special day, as uh, Senior Pastor said, because it is the beginning of Advent, the series of Sundays of reflection and of repentance, which leads to the story of the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ at Christmas. And the whole world is celebrated. And I want to put today's sermon in the context of Advent. The Lord who came at, at Christmas built something which he called the church. I will build my church. And, and when he left, he left the church under the care of humans that he designated apostles. And these apostles 
spread the message and instituted certain order of leadership within the church of which the head is a pastorate. So in, in the Baptist tradition, and that is a biblical understanding we have, that there are two main leaders of God's church, the pastor and the deacon. And, and of these two, the pastor is the, the, the one responsible for the running of the church and the deacons assist him or her. All right, so we, we will not have time this morning, but we can show from scripture that God has a special place for the pastorate. Uh, you, the text we read in, in Acts chapter 20 from verse 17 to 30, we have the Apostle Paul traveling to Jerusalem. He stops at Miletus, and then he sends a message to the churches in Ephesus. Now, Paul had labored there. He had ministered. He had pastored. He had done church planting. And now he says that these pastors should come to meet him in Miletus. The discussions they had is recorded in scripture, so you can take time to read it. But then it is sent, with all respect to our deacons, he didn't send for the deacons. He sent for the elders. Now the elders is a word that is used at one time to indicate the pastorate of the church. So the overseers, the shepherds, or the elders are interchangeably used in the New Testament to refer to that office we call the pastorate. So I'm saying that he sent for the pastors and he left them with that last word of a departing leader that was necessary to sustain the power of the ministry. And if you read Philippians chapter one, verse one, he talks about the congregation, he talks about the deacons, and then he talks about the elders. That is a New Testament church structure. But just a quick indication of the place of the pastorate and the pastor in the life of the New Testament church. And so Revelation chapters two and three, the Lord speaks to Apostle John and gives him messages to, to the seven major churches in Asia Minor in the first century. And he says to the angel of the church in Ephesus and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia and to the angel of the church in Smyrna and to the angel of the church in Laodicea and on and on and on. And which angels was, was the Lord Jesus talking about? He wasn't talking of flapping, flying angels. He was talking of the pastoral leadership of the seven major churches. And the message was not again to the, to the financiers of the church. It was not to those who had political power in the church. It was to the, to the elders, the angels, and the pastors of the church. And, and so we as Baptists emphasize the pastorate, the diaconate, and then the congregation. We are congregationalists. But just to say that whatever Jesus Christ our Lord left behind after his coming into flesh as, as a babe in, in, in Bethlehem at Christmas and dying on the cross and rising from the dead, he left in the hands of men and women who are equipped and specially gifted to be leaders of God's church. But I also want to put today's sermon in the context of the four-year strategic vision of the Ghana Baptist Convention as we speak now. Uh, by God's grace, having taken office a couple of months now, uh, the vision with which we are running and traveling is that we, we will see divine blessings come upon the Ghana Baptist Convention. 
that we shall see divine showers of blessing come upon local churches, that we shall see divine blessings, showers of blessing come on families in our churches, that every one of us shall be drenched with the rains of God in the blessings of God. Say amen to that. Amen. And so quickly, we, we, we've, we've codenamed this four-year period Operation Showers of Blessing. And under that, we're looking at five main things, one of which is the human resource development under which the pastoral appreciation day falls. So let me give you the other four, and then we go into the text for today. Within these next four years, and, and pastor said it, uh, someone said it earlier on, that uh, well, yeah, in the pastoral prayer, he talked about that there shall be revival. The first element of our vision and expectation, and we are hearing it from God's people, is that there shall be vital spirituality. That your Christianity will not be uh, a haphazard, uh, fortuitous, uh, uh, social thing, but that it shall be a, a vital relationship with God that changes every aspect of our lives. The second part of it is that there shall be financial solvency for the convention. That there will be money, enough money. And that when we are raising 200,000, we shall end up raising 300,000. <laughs> financial solvency at the national levels, financial solvency at the local level, financial solvency in your personal pocket. Say amen to that one too. That there will be enough money. I don't have enough time to tell you about some of the things that we need to do, but we'll talk about that later. The third thing is that there'll be denominational discipline. I appreciate it, Reverend uh, Senior Pastor, for taking the time to explain a few of the human resource arrangements within the convention. There must be discipline. We cannot let things go haywire. There are rules and there are perimeters we have set for ourselves. We change them from time to time. For example, at one time we said the cutoff point for becoming a minister is 50 years. We said that. It's not written in the Bible. Then at the point we also said, ah, let's move it so people can be 55 and still become ministers. The, the, the rules of engagement of our denomination must be safeguarded and respected. And the rules of engagement in this church, local church, if, if the pastorate says that before you marry, you must go through three months, six months, premarital counseling, it is, it is a rule that has been established. And if you want to be a member of this church, you must be disciplined enough to submit yourself to that. So we want that at the local level. We want that in our domestic situations. We want that at our national denominational level. Finally, or before that, we talk of uh, yeah, human resource development. Then finally, shelter for worship. We realize that some of our churches do not have good meeting places. I just come back from the north. I was in the Tolon area visiting the Tahima Association churches. And I have stories to tell you about churches that are overcrowded in, in, in a place and you see that they need a bigger place. Will you think about putting some money to the office and telling them, please send this to the head office for them to help with shelter for worship for a church at uh, Kurugu or Wantunga, wherever. But these are the directions we are going. So how does today's sermon fit into this five-point strategic vision of the presidency? It fits in especially at the fourth point where we talk of human resource development. The pastors are the human resources that God uses to effect the work of ministry. 
And as uh, Reverend S.P. Uh, uh, referred to Ephesians chapter 4, the, the men that God and women that God has selected and appointed to lead this church are to provide equipping of the saints so that the saints can do the work of ministry, which is the continuation of the ministry of Jesus Christ through his body, which is the church. And, and so... Human resource development, everything that is done to raise people, to educate them, to equip them, to mentor them, to, to financially resource them so they can do the work of ministry is part of God's design and God's agenda. So back to the main thrust of our reflection today. Why should we honor the ministers of the gospel? Why should we have a special day set aside in, in the Ghana Baptist Convention? The first Sunday of July every year nationally is supposed to be the day on which every church is celebrating their pastors and, and saying well done and, and giving them blessings of material and spiritual uh, pronouncements. But sometimes because of local situations we shift the date like we might have done here. Why? After all they are paid. So why should we set a day aside and celebrate them? But let me also say that the pastor's appreciation is not for one day. Just like worship is not for Sunday morning when we come here. Worship is all week long. Every minute of every hour, every second of every minute, we are supposed to be worshiping. But on Sundays, we set the day aside and we come together as God's people so we can together celebrate God. It's the same way, what we're doing today is, is an expression, it's a, it's a strategized, deliberate, intentional arrangement to express what we should be doing all the time. So your appreciation of your, your pastors and, and, and leaders of church is, is every day. If, if the Lord speaks to you in the morning and say, pray for Pastor Fred because I wanted to pray for him, begin to pray for him. If, if God lays it on your heart, uh, put some money in an envelope and send it to uh, Pastor Kwesi. Uh, you said amen to that. <laughs> I think he likes the money part. <laughs> Please, somebody do that for him sometime this week. <laughs> Hallelujah. Do it! Because we are celebrating God's agents in our life. Why should we honor pastors? Because pastors should be honored. One. We need to honor our pastors because they lead the church. The, the text that I read, and I have shown you by referring to some few other references in scripture, shows that Paul, in transferring the authority and the continuation of the work of Jesus Christ, targeted the pastors because they lead the church. And like in the Garden of Eden, when God comes, he doesn't ask, where is Eve? He says, Adam, where are you? The pastors are the chief executive officers of every local church. And the church is the most important ongoing project in the whole universe. Say amen to that. Amen. When Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, he was, make a he was making a declaration of a project that will continue from that time in history into eternity when we arrive home in glory and see God face to face and worship perpetually. The unfinished work of the building of the church is the most grandiose 
project in all of human history and in the history of the cosmos. And in this grandiose project, it is the pastors who are given that assignment. And as I indicated in verse 17 of, of, of Acts chapter 20, from my letters, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. The Lord Jesus Christ speaks from heaven and says to the elders of the church in, in the context said to the angels of the churches. That's the first reason. They lead the church. And if, if anybody deserves to be helped, because listen, the church, the gospel and the ministry of the word of God is what makes human beings become real humans. Politicians may promise and fail, whether they succeed or do not succeed, it is not so much the political environment that makes us people. It is what we are inside. The story is told about two schoolmates, and they met in town one day, and one said, oh, what are you doing? And then he said, I'm a businessman, and I'm, 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 I've got so many things going, and I'm working into political circles so I can put a new suit on every man in our streets. And then he said, so what are you also doing? And then the, the other friend said, well, I am a pastor, I'm a preacher of the gospel, an agent of the church, and I'm working very hard by God's grace to put a new man in every suit on our streets. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's a gospel that has made me a new person. I mean, I, I, have, I have been improved. I have been changed. I have been elevated, I have been blessed. I've been made into something admirable because I believed in the gospel, embraced it, and have made it my map for the journey of life. The gospel. And these men and women, the pastors, are those who lead the church. The church is a home for the homeless. It's a hospital for the sick. The church is a, a fellowship for those who, who have lost society and societal connections. The church is a place of, of healing where God's people can find life. But secondly, we honor pastors because they have a divine calling. Ministers have divine accreditation. In Acts chapter 13, verses 2 and 3, we read, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Every pastor worth his sword has been called by God. Say amen to that. Every pastor that is, that is truly a servant of God had divine accreditation and appointment. And I hear you. I hear you say to me, there are so many charlatans, there are many people who are out there because they're looking for food to eat. I agree with you. And I'm not surprised at that fact because the Bible tells me about them. The Lord Jesus Christ prophesied about them. The apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ spoke to me that there will be false Christ and there will be false ministers of Christ. I am not surprised that there are false ministers. But what I wanted to say is that there are authentic ministers. And when we find the authentic ministers, we need to love them. We need to embrace them. We need to bless them. We need to work with them 
for our personal edification and for the expansion of the kingdom of God. They were called by God. We've been called by God. I, I stand boldly in all I do as a pastor because I have a conviction that God called me. I was a secondary school boy. I knew very clearly, I can tell you the trajectory of my calling and, and the fulfillment of it and what has brought me this far. Called by God to lead God's church. These are not ordinary brothers and sisters. They are important people to be recognized and to be honored. Why should we honor our ministers? We should honor pastors because they are our sole managers. Soul managers. You know, the, the Bible says that in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, in the King James Version, it says, Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable to you. Now, I, I say to people, if you have a box full of 100 bills, $100 bills, a box full, and you have the same box on this side with your soul in it. Which of these two boxes is most valuable? Certainly the second box which contains your soul because the value of your soul is way, way, multi-million times more high than all the dollars that you can accumulate. And yet, those who take care of your money, the bank managers, we call them, and they are related to the church treasurers. Uh, brother. <laughs> uh, we respect them. Did SP introduce any of you? But he introduced him. Clap for him, but he's very important in the church. <laughs> Those who manage our funds in the, in the banking sector, the bank manager is given a very good salary. The, the bank makes sure that he's very cozy, he's, 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 he's sleeping place and his eating situation, his kind of vehicle he drives, is all very well catered for because he manages the monies of people. But I'm saying something to church people. We need to honor our pastors because by the standards of this document, they are the managers of our souls. They manage your soul in order to give an account for it. Is the, Baptist a, is the Bible a Baptist Bible? Because the, the, the Baptists believe in individual soul competency. We also believe in individual soul responsibility. I will stand alone before God to give an account for my soul, for my life. Yes, that is one side of the truth. But the other side of the truth is that God has assigned certain individuals and he has empowered them and given them grace and he has nurtured them to be responsible for the oversight of my trajectory as a believer in Jesus Christ. And he's going to ask those people questions about my life. Pastors here, listen to me. If you haven't got it, get it straight now. You are going to account for the countless souls that pass through your hands and your ministry during your lifetime. And if they have this account to give, 
Don't we have a duty to stand with them and to support them and to hold them up and to pray to God, Lord, strengthen them. May, may God make us agents of support for the ministers who, who are not just mere managers of the edifices and, and of, of facilities, but they are the managers of the souls of God's people. Your pastor is a soul manager. Tell your neighbor, my pastor is a soul manager. And so Paul says somewhere else, if we have given you spiritual blessings, is it anything that you give us material blessings? Apostle Paul says that. Listen, when I preach to you, I'm giving you something that money cannot buy. Say amen to that. Amen. When your pastor preaches and counsels you and prays over you, they are giving you something you cannot get in the supermarket. Say amen to that. They pray over your children. They bless your marriages. They are doing things that the professor in the university does not have the, the, the power to do. The, power, the, the professor knows books. But he doesn't know how to confer anointing. <laughs> there, there was a little boy in a school. And the teacher gave them some arithmetic. And he said, if there were 10 sheep on this side of the road, and then one of them crosses the road, how many sheep will be left there? The son of a poor shepherd who was in the class put up his hand and said, sir, there'll be zero left. And the teacher called him and stretched him on the table and gave him some six quick lashes. So you're a foolish boy. I've just been telling you that 10 minus one is nine. And the little boy looked at the teacher and said, sir, you know arithmetic, but you do not know sheep. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because in his experience and in his knowledge, when one sheep crosses, the rest will follow. Listen, some of us come to the church of God and we try to bring our political orientation from outside church into church. I know some Baptist churches where Dickens are fighting the pastorate. Because they, they, they are from workers' union, they are, they are from teaching uh, constituencies, they are political people, they are professors, they are not. No, no. Listen, I've said professor a few times. Nobody should say, I have something against professors. Because one day I want to be a professor. <laughs> but that would be some time. And the thing that they should wrest power from the pastors, you may know finances, but you do not know a certain level of communication with God. And I'm saying that any pastor worth his sword has a certain road open to God because he's so special. I'm not, I'm not doing an elevation of the pastorate and the separation of the clergy and the laity. I'm conscious of all of that. I know all of that. I'm just trying to say, let us strike the biblical balance and acknowledge who these men and women are in our midst as God's church. Listen to me. You found somebody you want to marry next week and your pastor says, 
And now I listen to the two of you, and I think you need to take a break and, and wait for another few months and reconsider your decision. You may not love, but you may not have a certain sensitivity to spirit truth that over time this pastor has been trained and, and can hear and can direct you. So yeah, I got my money, I got my woman, I, I'm going to marry. If you don't want to do the marriage, I'll go to do it somewhere. And you go do it somewhere. In my short life and my short experience as a minister, I found people who took that kind of decision and a few months later, they came crying. They came crying because they would not listen to those who watch over their souls and to those who are empowered and knowledgeable by God's grace to lead them to green pastures. So, why should we honor pastors? Because they are managers of our souls. But what else should we do? Because they are frontliners for the Great Commission agenda. They are frontliners. We honor pastors because we are all Christians. We are all committed to the completion and accomplishment of the Great Commission. But these men and women called pastors, they stand in the front of the line and they face the missiles and the challenges of fulfilling the Great Commission. During the COVID period, that was the time I really understood the word frontliners because I discovered that the government was willing to give some money, extra money, and, and exempt nurses and doctors who were working directly with people affected by COVID so they can do the work. They were so important. Nobody needed to argue about why, why is it that they are getting free water and free electricity and they have been exempted from taxation because we are all Ghanaians, yes, but you are not a nurse. You are not a doctor. You don't know where to put a syringe when somebody must be injected. They are frontliners in the work of the kingdom. Jesus Christ, our Lord himself, he leads us as the captain of our army. But behind him, I said behind him, behind him comes the gallant men and women who have a vow to, to, for the rest of their lives to carry the cross and the flag of Jesus Christ and to go where the master goes. Let me close with one more submission. Honor the ministers amongst us, not only because they feed the flock, not only because they protect the flock, I'm jumping all those points, but finally because they suffer many things because they lead God's church. Because they are frontliners, that is why many of them get infected with COVID. And there were nurses and doctors who got infected with COVID and some of them died. They, they were the frontliners. And frontliners take the bullets in the war zone that the, the soldiers who lead in the front line, they face danger most than the rest. Ministers of the gospel, the pastors of our church, they pay a price of suffering many different things in many different ways from many different sources. Satan hates them more than he hates the average Christian. Did you hear me? Yes, sir. Satan hates the pastors and the deacons more than he hates every average church member. 
Because there is a spiritual principle, and it even works in military terms. Strike the shepherd, the sheep will scatter. When Satan is looking for you, he targets your senior pastor. When Satan is looking for you, he targets your shepherd that has been placed over you. When that shepherd is down and he's having so much trouble with life and he cannot have his, his way forward, you, it's part of all the biblical provision for the individual soul competency of the believer, there's a certain covering that comes by God's design and arrangement. Ah, pastors pay a price. Yesterday, I was at a funeral and it was the funeral of Reverend Kwabina Jamankansa. He was my lecturer when I was in seminary, and then he became my colleague in when I was teaching at Maranatha. But in the, in the tribute that was read by the wife, and that which was read by the children, and the Lord was really wrestling with me because I preached this sermon about three different times in different places. Um, when SP asked me to speak on the topic, I, I saw that it just syncs with that. So I said, let me preach the same thing. But when, whenever we have to do a sermon we've done before, we don't just bring it. We microwave it. You had microwave? Okay. We go over it again. We, we, we pray over it again. We ask God, give me a new life, a new word from the old word. And the Lord was laying upon my heart to bring this point out. It, it was there. But the illustration that I'm sharing with you. And then when Reverend Degbe was preaching, sorry, praying the pastor's prayer this morning, he made reference to, to the hypocrisy and the gossip and the lies and the, the people in church who are committed to that kind of life. And it confirmed for me the battle I had had last yesterday from the funeral to this morning when I was coming to preach. And therefore, I will take boldness to do this. The, the, the widow says... He was a gravely misunderstood man by some people, but to those who genuinely sought God like he did, he was a gem and an icon. I can say the same things about this man. If you ask me about the saints of God that I have seen on this planet Earth, Reverend Kwabenajeman Kansa is one of those people. She continues, the intense loyalty you showed to causes you chose made those who work with you think you were stupid. But your eyes were set on the heavenly wealth no man could provide. I don't have time to look at what the children also wrote because they expressed similar sentiments about the hurt feelings of their father. I have been around a few years. I don't, have, I don't want to talk about my story because pastors are maltreated and harassed and insulted the very, the very mouth that we feed are the teeth that bite our hands. And I'm no crybaby. I'm determined not to be a crybaby. I have heard and seen things done against people because they are ministers. And I say ministers are disadvantaged fighting group because the Bible says the minister of God must not be quarrelsome. Do you know that? Yes, sir. So it's like you are going into a fighting arena and your hands have been tied behind you and they say fight these dangerous people in the church. I'm not talking of those outside the church. I'm talking of those inside the church in leadership, in membership who determine 
Brothers and sisters, let's come together and we shall make the pastor miserable. May God have mercy on us. And Paul says, you know the things I have suffered. Do you know the things your pastors have suffered? Let's show some honor to them. Let's show some respect to them. Let's give to them. Let's pray for them. Let's visit them. Call them. I have had this experience to know that people won't call you, pastor, until they have a problem. The day you see their number on your phone ringing, you know problem is coming. But may the God who called you strengthen you. Uh, you might finish this race and finish well. Thank you, brothers and sisters, for supporting your ministers so far. As president of convention, I want to see every one of my pastors from north to south very satisfied. Hebrews 13, 17 says, let them do their work without grumbling. Otherwise, it won't be a blessing to you. Do you hear that? If it is not a blessing, what is it? So please, the way you treat your pastor determines whether you are blessed or you are cursed. Father, we've not had enough time, but we have looked at a few things. We pray that your spirit who leads your church will guide us in our journey of seeking out to serve your purposes by honoring those men and women whom you have given to us. Now bless this church and bless anyone who hears these words by the grace of God that we might be faithful agents of God and love your servants and honor them appropriately. We thank you for answered prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much.